don't want to fight Usyk, in my opinion. Because he had the opportunity to do it through these discussions, and really, when it came down to it, he really don't want to. What Fury wants to do is have a little easy one in March. That's what he really wants to do. Now, he's going to have to fight Dillian White. And by the way, after all this kerfuffle, he'll get beat by Dillian White. He'll get knocked out by Dillian White. But the reality is, when it really came down to it, he never wanted to fight Alexander Usyk. Because he could have gone straight into a fight with Alexander Usyk. But he didn't want to go straight into a fight with Alexander Usyk. But you won't ever hear that, and the public won't ever hear that. You'll just hear Fury on Instagram screaming and shouting with smoke and mirrors. And welcome back to the number one podcast in a sport that will not be at the 2028 Olympics. <laughs> you honestly can't make it up. So apparently it looks like boxing's not on the list for the 2028 Olympics, which I think is in Los Angeles, um, which, to be honest, would have been the perfect stage for any young boxer to want to be boxing on. But it's been in a mess for so long that I don't even think you could fix the problems within amateur boxing in time for those Olympics. And I think it will be good for the sport to spend some time in the wilderness so it can just decide on what it really wants to be. Do you want to be a serious, well-governed sport? Or do we want this Wild West thing that we currently live through at the moment? But it's not just the amateur system that's messed up. Is it like Professional boxing is probably the disease that kills everything. And the last few days have kind of signified that. So let's let's just look at the whole Tyson Fury versus Dillian White. Absolute disaster, by the way. This is an absolute disaster. And I don't even think you can blame one person. So if we go back maybe 10 days or so, and Hearn was talking about he doesn't see the fight happening anytime soon. He isn't going to put a purse bid in. No one's going to want to bid for this. You know, there was all this kind of... You know what Eddie's like. There's all this kind of nonsense talk that comes with it. It's, it's almost par for the course. And so with them watching this purse bid date get pushed back and pushed back until eventually the WBC said, actually, forget this. It needs to happen now or never. So on Friday, we get the bids. And yeah, I was one of those people that was refreshing their Twitter feed to know, okay, what, what were the bids? And when I saw Frank bid 41 million and Eddie bid 32 with all the twos, I just thought, wow. And I, sometimes I like to sit there and just process and go, what the hell's going on here? Because we've been conditioned not to expect that, right? This is how brainwashed Eddie Hearn's got most boxing fans. You don't believe Frank Warren has money. That, that, that's what you hear continuously from Eddie, right? Frank has no money. Let Frank do this. Why doesn't Frank put the money up? And I think what Friday showed is, for the right opportunities, Frank Warren can find the money. Or the money finds Frank. Because that money that's bankrolling that could have found any other promoter. But that money trusted Frank. That's not to be sniffed at. Because if you look at... If you look at the Frank Warren bid, it looked like a bid that had been adjusted from pounds to dollars, right? So maybe they bid, I don't know, maybe they bid 32 million pounds, for example. And I don't know what the exchange rate is at the moment, so I have zero idea. But if we assume the dollar to the pound is something at 1.35, something like that, right? Something interesting happens. Frank's pound bid suddenly becomes 
pretty much bang on 30 million quid, right? That's essentially what Frank has bid, 30 million quid. So my question then becomes, did someone leak that figure to Matchroom, but got the currency wrong? That would be really interesting to find out because if you look at Eddie Hearn's dollar bid, it looks like that bid you do on eBay, right? Like we've all done this. I know I don't want to pay more than 50 pounds for something, right? So I'm going to bid 50 pounds and 25 pence. So I know I've, I've gazumped the guy that's also thought this is worth 50 quid, right? You know those sort of annoying bids where you see you lost out to someone for like the equivalent of 33 pence or whatever it is. Eddie Hearn's 32 million bid with all the twos at the end felt a bit like that. It felt like a, like a middle finger to Frank, almost like I know what you're going to bid and here's how I'm going to humiliate you, right? I, I genuinely think Matchroom thought they had it nailed. Almost like they thought, yeah, we know what they're going to spend. We're going to bid and we're going to outbid them, right? And someone must have told them Frank's bidding 30 million and they must have assumed dollars. And then Frank comes out with, well, 30 million pounds, which is about $41 million. And I think that might be an interesting subplot because what subsequently happened is that Eddie's pretty much gone dark on it. Dillian's gone dark on it. And it doesn't look like they're going to help the promotion. In fact, it looks like they're going to try and sandbag the promotion, almost as if they've got their money. So, so, so this thing gets even messier because for weeks and months, we've been, we've been led to believe that Eddie Hearn was the gatekeeper to making White versus Fury for the WBC title, right? And then it turns out in the negotiations, <laughs> it turns out in the negotiations, Dillian's there with Ben Shalom, who's obviously head of boxer and working with Sky Sports, and that Eddie hasn't been party to many of those negotiations. He's just put a purse bid in. Now, I don't know if it's that cut and dried, but I found it really interesting, and maybe you guys had listened to the talk sport discussion with Spencer Oliver and Ben Shalom, because Ben Shalom, as someone who on the surface had nothing to do with this fight, right, wasn't intending on putting a bid in for this fight. He seemed very passionate that Dillian was massively underpaid at 20%. And I found that really, really weird, because I was like, why do you care? Like, really, why do you care? Are you bidding for this fight, yes or no? And then, it, it, you know, it slowly comes out that Ben Shalom was involved in the negotiations. Now I understand. I'm comfortable now. I'm like, okay. What we now understand is Dillian is smart enough to know no one wants Eddie Hearn in the room when the negotiations are being done. So now that's Dillian who's not in the room, who doesn't want Hearn in the room. That's Canelo that doesn't want Hearn in the room. Like, And these are like the the top tier of fighters that don't want Eddie Hearn in the room when negotiations are happening because clearly he can't get out of his own way. And if you're running the zone right now, you're starting to look and go, I think this Eddie Hearn guy is the problem. No one wants to deal with him. I don't think it's the same with Oscar, by the way. For all of Oscar's um, 
social media faux pas and everything else that he gets wrong, he doesn't seem to get the boxing side of things wrong very often. You know, we now have to look back on that Canelo fallout and go, was someone agitated for Canelo to move? Not going to say any names, but you could read between the lines. So by the weekend, we've got the purse bids agreed, right? And the energy is towards right. All of those people banging the drum for Dillian to get his title shot. Will you now all buy tickets? Every one of you who said, I want to see Dillian get his title shot. Will you buy tickets? And I think we know the harsh reality is that they won't buy tickets. They won't buy tickets. They won't pay for the pay-per-view. They'll stream. And it's a damning indictment on boxing that you get a fight. And as an all-British dust-up, Fury versus Wild, Fury versus Dillian White's a good fight. That has got the WBC title at stake. And that this is like Dillian's chance to finally get justice adds a little bit of extra spice. This is something that if you really are the Dillian White fans that you claimed you were, this is what you put your money down for. But I think what we're going to find when this is all said and done is these people are just making noise for social media clout. All of them. Because people claim to be boxing fans, but they're not boxing fans. They're fans of attention. They... They want the likes and the retweets. You know, n next time you look at things about Dillian White, look at, look at the accounts. Like most of these are essentially what I call ghost accounts, right? Because they'll do three or 4,000 tweets. But if you added up all the likes and the retweets and the responses to them, I don't even think you get to 50. They're essentially ghost accounts, people on the outside looking in. And now that they've got their, their wish, all British fight in, in, a, in a stadium, Will they put their money up? Will they make the effort to go and see it in the same way the Joshua fans do? I don't think they will. But if we spin it back and say, okay, so by the weekend, we now realize this is happening. But Eddie kind of goes quiet. Dillian goes quiet. Eddie, we understand now, wasn't part of this. He wasn't part of it. He didn't win the bid. The fight means nothing to Eddie. And so on Saturday, what we're expecting is for Eddie Hearn to essentially piss in the well, like he always does. When a big fight happens, he'll piss in the well and he'll say something like, well, the fight's not going to happen. But he can't use that excuse anymore because both men have shown their desire to fight. So there's no question about that. But you wait, you, you, know, you, you wait for the Eddie Hearn sermon at the, you know, the beginning of the week. So... Dillian goes quiet. You finally get your world title shot. All we needed to hear from Dillian was, guys, I'm going to win that WBC belt. I'm off into camp now. I'll see you when the time is right. But we've heard nothing. And there are a number of reasons why. We'll come on to those in a second. But it didn't take long for Hearn to start his belly aching and his bitching and his moaning, did it? And, you know, all of this talk about Fury never wanted the Usyk fight. He just made noise about the Usyk fight. He could have had the Usyk fight at any time. And then you pause and go, but you told us Anthony Joshua had activated the rematch clause. So he couldn't have had the fight, right? He couldn't have had the fight unless Anthony Joshua stepped aside. Just common sense would tell you that. All we had heard, right, 
Think about it. From September to the end of the year, all we had heard was Joshua's getting ready. He's got a new trade. He's got a new team. He wants to fight Usyk. Joshua was telling us he's not stepping aside for anyone. So what does Eddie Hearn mean when he says Fury could have fought Usyk at any time and didn't want it? There's no time he could have fought Usyk. And the one time he tried to, and he offered Joshua the money Joshua asked for. And then when they went to make the offer to Joshua, what he said was, give me 20 million. And the response back was, you said 15. And it was a no, I've changed my mind. Now I want 20. Thinking he had people over a barrel. Now Joshua says he makes smart moves, but he doesn't. Because then it was like, okay, oh, all right. You go and fight Usyk. Go and do some of our work for us. We'll, we'll pick up whatever's left on the other side. Good luck to you, mate. But you've just messed your whole, you've messed your whole legacy up. And so that's why Hearn comes out and he says all this nonsense. Like Fury didn't want the fight. And now he's talking about, yeah, Dillian's going to beat Fury. And you're like, well, if you were that confident, why did you only bid the equivalent of 24 million pounds? That's my question. Why did you bid the equivalent of 24 million pounds? And now we understand why Eddie Hearn doesn't go to purse bids. We understand why he doesn't take these purse bids seriously because we can now look at his numbers and go, oh, so you could have only have made a return at a top limit of 24 million. And apologies to, to the guys at, at this point. I'm now, I'm now talking in pounds. So the, the bid's probably 23, 24 million in pounds if we work back from $32 million. And so now we, now we know the economics of the zone and the economics of Matchroom. And we now can see they can't do Fury versus White and Usyk versus Joshua. They can't do both fights in close proximity. In fact, I don't even believe they can do Usyk-Joshua with the current traffic they've got. I don't, that's what, that's what the delay is in my opinion, because that should have been resolved. Think about it. Since September 25th, when Joshua lost, right? Fury's fought Wilder, beaten Wilder, had the mess with the WBC, which has reached some kind of conclusion, had the purse bids, agreed the date, we're going to hear the date and the venue for the fight. And still not a peep on the rematch between Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usyk. We don't know who Joshua's trainer is right now. I think he's in Loughborough with Richard Riakpo and Angel Fernandez. So I don't even call that serious training. That's not preparing for Usyk. So what are you working on exactly? Like, you told us you were changing your system. What is it you're working on? Because remember in that interview, he talked about I'm trying to prove that I'm a better boxer and people said I can't box and I can't move and I'm heavy-footed and I have no rhythm. And he said he was trying to fix all of that and then he got bored of that. He's going back to the old AJ. But the old AJ is Rob McCracken AJ. So, yeah, exactly. You're equally as, as confused as I am. So, so in totality, we look at this and we go, Heavyweight boxing is an absolute disaster. If you, if you tack on to that, the fact that Hergovic can't find a dance partner because everyone's scared of fighting a guy who's high risk and low reward. It's an embarrassment. It's an absolute embarrassment. 
And the person who really wins in all of this is Frank Warren. If you think about it, right? Frank, Frank ran over Barry Hearn on Radio 5 that time. And now he's run over Eddie Hearn. And I'm biased and it makes me smile a bit. But I look at Frank and I say, Frank was smart. Frank positioned himself as a guy that could make this fight happen. He never had to post up the money. It was never about him posting up the money. He just had to find where the money was and make sure the WBC got their money in escrow. Him and Bob just had to make sure there was a lane for money to go in and to go out. That's all they had to do, and they've done that. So the people who have invested in this fight at 41 million probably don't even need it to gross 41 million. They don't. They just need it to gross enough, and they win. So when I hear people say that the Diddy and White Tyson Fury fight won't happen, and, you know, shouts out to Porks, me and Porky have different views on this. My view is the fight will happen. I think the fight has to happen. And there are two reasons. Number one, people need to get their money out of this investment. Right? People need to get their money out of this investment. BT need to get their money out of Fury. Bob needs to get his money out of Fury. This is the last fight in the contract. Frank needs to get his money out of Fury. And other people need to get their money out of Fury now and in the next fight. So he, you don't want too much filler. The filler stuff can happen, you know, you, to, for entertainment's sake. But in terms of the serious business, these guys need to get their money out. So they couldn't lose that purse bid. And maybe they engineered it to give Eddie Hearn incorrect information. But Dillian will be a good sport eventually. And he will agree to the fight. And he, people will make sure he's looked after so he doesn't make too much noise about it is how I would look at it. You know, there's all the back, back end stuff that they need to resolve, like the arbitrations. Although, I don't even understand what the hell's going on there because it's, it's still confusing, if I'm correct, right? Because there was an arbitration or legal process, apparently, around whether Dillian would get his shot. And that was like end of last year, early this year. And they said, that's the reason the fight hadn't been called because the WBC were waiting for that legal process to end. That process couldn't have been about the 45% versus the 20%. It couldn't have been because no mandatory shot had been called. And they were arguing over that point. That doesn't seem to have been resolved, but it seems that we've moved past that and the WBC have said, right, you're mandatory, you fight Fury next. And we seem to have gone very quickly into a, oh, well, we're going straight to arbitration on that. And you're like, well... No, you've got to go through their, their governance process and appeal. We get a ruling on that, which we haven't seen yet. You can appeal the ruling, and if you don't like the appeal, you can go to arbitration. But if you go through that, you're not fighting till May, June at the earliest, just by the time you've exhausted all the avenues. So this fight's now got a really interesting subplot of, over whether Dillian will sign, because they've given him until, what, the 21st, so that's just over, what is it, just over two weeks? It's got just over two weeks to agree to this fight, or they move on to the next mandatory. And at that point there, what will the Didion White fans say? Because he complained about money 
when he was offered the chance to replace Jarrell Miller and he's complaining about money now. In life, I believe you can complain about one thing in any given situation and you'll be, you'll be credible. Anything beyond that, you start to moan, right? He complained about not getting his shot. He got his shot. Now he's like, I want more money. Uh, what's the priority here? That's what I want to know. What's the priority? You know, if money's the issue, and if money's the issue from a matchroom to zone perspective, cool. Joshua hasn't got a belt. Whack Joshua in the WBC rankings and say, right, that's your mandatory. No one on this planet would complain about that. That means Hearn doesn't have to pay Joshua. Someone else will pay Joshua. We get a fight. Dillian can go and fight Usyk and get whatever money he wants. Eddie will pay for that. So I don't understand this whole arbitration thing. My, my, my suspicion is it's lawyers talking to each other. I don't believe there's an arbitration process. I don't think it started. I don't even think they've appointed arbitrators. And I don't even think the court, court of arbitration for sport has even been notified. Would be my suspicion at the moment. So we'll see. When that deadline approaches, let's see if Dillian signs the contract. And let's see if he comes out of hiding. And let's see. Let's just, let's just get it cracking. Like, we've, we've got a British dust-up. We've got a British fight here that we just want to see. Almost, we don't need the build-up. We've had a thousand days of build-up. Just tell us where it is, when it is, and let it happen. And if you look historically, Fury's been good at doing that. He'll sign for the fight, he'll show up, he'll do everything he needs to do to, to promote that fight, and on fight night, he comes alive. You don't have to question Fury on that. Let's see if Dillian's willing to play ball. But let's come back to Frank and let's just congratulate Frank for, for being at the big table. You know, this fight's going to happen on his turf. Finally, he gets, this is old Frank. This is old Frank. He might be playing with other people's money, I don't know, but this is old Frank. The suits look sharper. The smile's a little bit wider. You know, the wrinkles have subsided a bit. Frank's looking sharp and he's looking ready for battle because he's like, that's two Hearns I've run over. I feel good about myself again. I didn't know if I still had it, but I've definitely still got it now. But there's another issue, right? When you put yourself in that mandatory position, you're not a voluntary, and you're on another promoter's show, you can't bring your stable with you. So you can't bring John Harding Jr. You can't bring Yusuf Kamari over because... If it's my show and I'm Frank, I'm like, look, this is the biggest stage of the year. I want to get my guys on there. I need Dennis McCann on there. I might need Sam Noakes on there. I might need Archie Sharp on there. I, mean, I might need Eddie Lamb on there. You know, <laughs> you know Eddie will be on that one. Um, who else might I need on there? Essentially, I need everyone on there. On a side note, shouts out to Eddie Lamb for just upping his social media grift. Like, Ed, Ed, Ed turned, what, 50? And now he's suddenly become like, he's, he's hammering social media like an 18-year-old, man. It's good to see. Now that he's got Sky Nicholson, and he's definitely, he's definitely grifting in top gear. But kudos to him, and I, I wish him all the best with Sky Nicholson. She couldn't be in better hands. And, you know, I told Eddie, you know, we want to see Sky Nicholson versus Beck Connolly. Come on, man. Make that fight happen. <laughs> so, 
so I, I say all that to say, Dylan's essentially just going onto someone else's show with no real cover fire, no real protection. I wonder if they'd even let Eddie Hearn in the building. You know what I mean? Like, would Eddie have to sit in row, like row E or row F? All of this stuff creates this interesting plot line and it shows why Eddie loves to control events because now he has no control. No control and he doesn't stand to benefit from one of his prized assets historically. You know, and if Fury did stop Dillian and it's not an impossibility because remember, Parker's dropped him. Rivas has dropped him. Povetkin's dropped him. Josh has dropped him. It's there. That's the thing. It's there. Like, those uppercuts are there. What version of Dillian do you have left for your DAZN stable? Or if you're Ben Shalom, what version of Dillian's left for Sky? Answers I don't know, but that's a risk. Yeah. I, I just want, or I told you, I just want Dillian to be the guy we, we think he is. I want him to be old school. I want him to come out and say, I'm going to fight Fury. I'm going to take his head off. <sighs> Once I beat him, money ain't going to be an issue. So let me just do this now. Like every boxer had to. Floyd had to take short money against Oscar. Manny had to take short money against Floyd. Joey, like every boxer has to be the B-side and get shafted before they cross over and then they start shafting people. Canelo will tell you that. But let's, let's kind of now go back to if these two fight, who wins? I don't think it's a competitive fight. I just don't think it's anywhere near competitive. And here's why. When I look at fights, my first question is always, how do you get past the jab? That was Wilder's problem. He struggled to get past the Fury jab. He'd struggle to deal with that Fury jab. Because if you can't deal with the jab, you don't get any further than that lead hand. You just don't. Chisora found that out in his second Fury fight. If you can't get past that jab, it'd be a nightmare for you. So I can't see how Dillian gets past that jab. Like you can throw all those big hooks and those, I mean, those, those, you know, those wild right hands. Fury can time that step back and throw an uppercut. It, uh, I don't, yeah, it, it'll be one of those fights, I think, where people look and go, why was it so easy? But I don't want it to be that way. I'd like it to be a classic. Maybe Fury will carry him for a bit. I don't know. But for me, it's, it's not competitive. One thing, this just popped into my head. So one thing I've been thinking about is if we look over probably the last five or so years, right? If we look at Anthony Joshua over the last five years, meaningful fights that Joshua's had, fights that we'll look back on 10 years from now and go, that was a hell of a fight. That was a hell of a moment. If I'm wrong, you can correct me on this, but I put the Klitschko fight in that box simply for the, the scale of it, the emotion of it, and actually the fact that Joshua came of age. That's nearly five years ago. And then his fight against Usyk. Right? So that's two Ukrainians he's fought, two Olympic gold medalists, and kudos to him, but there's nothing else in his career. Literally nothing else. But you look at you look at Fury. Well, 
number one, he was in Mar. I mean, he was in Marseille, getting ruined with the England fans a while ago, and then then he just hit his his full on coke binge, and then we had the Nandrolo and stuff. We had all of this. This is like <laughs> that's <laughs> that's two years out of the five accounted for, and then we've had what three Wilder fights. Some filler against guys like Senad Gashi and Tom Schwartz, and a fight against Otto Wallen, whose ability we don't really know or understand yet, right? But he's given us those three Wilder fights, and they were hard, brutal, grueling fights. He's given us three in five years. Deontay Wilder, what's that? Two Ortiz fights, three Fury fights, Brazil, if you want to put him in there. Deontay Wilder's given us five. And I'm going, to, I'm going to also put Dillian in there because I think Dillian's a massive overachiever. So for Dillian to have been in the ring with guys like Parker, Povetkin, uh, even Rivas, I'm going to put him there as well. And I, the point I'm trying to make is when you start to look at the heavyweights, those top four or five heavyweights, Joshua's right at the back in terms of CV. Like if those guys all sat around and, and had dinner, Fury's there going, hey, Deontay, we had three great fights for the WBC. Dillian, we had a good fight for the WBC. Wilder's there going, hey, Tyson, I, I enjoyed that. It was tough, but now that I'm older, I get it. And he's saying to Ortiz, hey, you're a tough man. I don't know how you lasted that long. And all these conversations are happening. And Josh just kind of just sat there, just eating his broccoli and tuna, going, but I've got more money than you. And they'll just look at him and go, yeah. Whatever, <laughs> we're not starving. So it comes back to a point we used to make on the New Age Boxing Podcast. Joshua was simply an NBA experiment of how much money can we make for taking absolutely no risk? The problem was, even when they thought they were taking no risk, he couldn't see the mission through. And I wonder what's going to happen this year. Because like I said, if he was acting decisively, Trainer would have been in place now. Camp would have been in place now. Fight would have been announced already and Josh would be training. The way things are going, it doesn't look like he's going to fight till May or June. So is he going to fight once this year again? Can his, can his sprawling empire sustain that? I don't know. But yeah, I, Joshua's legacy is in a really dark place at the moment because he promised so much and delivered so little. That's why it's important that this Fury-White fight does happen. It's important that neither man forgets their pen. It's important that they show up and they give their best. And it's a hell of a celebration for Frank. And I want to say why. <laughs> I'm going to do an episode on this because I've already done one, so it'll just be an addendum to what I've done before. So it'll be a short one. Sorry, guys. I am, I am cheating the algorithm on this one but it doesn't make sense to tack it on here. But if Frank Warren has kept hold of BT Sport and now got Discovery, whoo, he, <laughs> he might have finished Eddie Hearn off. This is the equivalent of Vince McMahon buying WCW. He might have literally finished Eddie off. But that's, a, that's another pod for another time, guys. I want to say, hey, look, have a good day. And as always, please, if you enjoyed this, share it like it um let this be the trigger for the discussions in boxing because remember only one person was telling you that the zone deal might not go through because it might not be the 
best method of value creation for the BT shareholders. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk about that later. Remember, like, share, uh, follow on Instagram, follow on Twitter, but do not follow me if you're on a burner account. Like, I don't engage in burner accounts, and a lot of them just get blocked. So there'll be no burner accounts, there'll be no trolling. I'll, I'll, the minute you say something that's disrespectful, you're getting blocked. Because this 2022, you know, say what you're willing to stand behind. So what do they say? No face, no case. So that, that's all I can say on that one. People are just getting blocked. Like, I don't need that many followers. I don't. It's the right people follow me. Therefore, I don't need any more. Right? And on that note, I want to sign off, guys. You take care. Bye.